Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The only podcast you need for your business. Let's do this. Welcome to the Sales versus Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. Join me as we explore and demystify the latest trends, technologies, and strategies used to achieve massive growth and 10x businesses. I'll be sitting down with sales, marketing, and business leaders to dissect what's worked for them, dispel myths, and deliver actionable insights that you can use to ensure repeatable, sustainable, and predictable revenue in your business. Thank you for joining me on the Sales versus Marketing podcast. Today, I am sitting with Bill Cates, and uh, I'm very excited because we're going to be speaking about Bill Cates' uh, book, Radical Relevance. Now, Bill is an internationally recognized client acquisition expert, author, and speaker who motivates others to take action with proven strategies. So Bill is a successful entrepreneur. Uh, he has sold two uh, book publishing companies, so he's done this before. Um, and now he is uh, working to help others grow and emulate the strategies that has made him successful. He has written four best-selling books, including the one that we're going to chat about today, including Get More Referrals Now, uh, don't keep me a secret beyond referrals and radical relevance. So a lot of a lot of ties into both sales and marketing strategy. Um, Bill uh, has delivered his business growth methods to over five hundred thousand professionals, small business owners, and salespeople across five continents, uh, helping them increase revenue without increasing their marketing budget. Um, Bill has uh, has been featured in various uh, publications, including Success Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine. Selling Power, Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, and his business has been featured in Money Magazine. And on top of that, uh, he's one of the founding members of the Million Dollar 
Speakers Group and was inducted into the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. So I have no doubt he definitely has a gift of the gab. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so let's uh, so Bill, um, I guess introduce yourself and we'll talk a little bit about your book, Radical Relevance, and that'll sort of speak about uh, some some sales marketing strategy. I'm sure that we'll we'll draw out of that. Sure. Uh, you know, just to, to make sure everyone heard you correctly, it's Bill Cates with a C, not Bill Gates. Uh, I was uh, I was hoping for the interview of my career, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I still get a shot at it, but uh, so what I like to say is Bill Gates has a lot of money. Bill Cates, that's me. I'll help you make more money. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, if, forever I've been an entrepreneur. I've been in sales. I've been in marketing. I love both. Uh, what I really love is acquiring new clients. I kind of like the prospecting, the chase, the whether it's a sales or marketing, and obviously there's a relationship there, but uh, you know, I, I like that. Um, I don't mind delivering the product or service afterwards, but I really do like getting the deal. And uh, when I first got started so long ago, and the marketing folks that listen to this will appreciate this, uh, I, I was in, uh, involved with direct response marketing, but this was before there was an internet. So I had some books and other things. I I put ads in the back of magazines, a little classified ads and things. And most people don't even know what I'm talking about right now. But it was all about selling information through the mail. And now, of course, people sell information on the internet. Uh, but the principles are all the same. And so I just love being able to take all those things I learned so many years ago and apply it to today's technology. And of course. The, the, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's, it's, it's easy to get our message out, but because it's easy to get our message out, it's now actually hard to get our message out. Uh, and there's so much noise in the marketplace. And that's why I wrote Radical Relevance, because we've got to cut through all that stuff. And how do you cut through all that and reach people and then, you know, keep, keep being relevant and then move them to take action, right? It's not just reaching them. It's also moving them to take action. So that was the genesis of the book. It's, um... You mentioned something. You mentioned a couple of things that I, I thought were very interesting. Number one, you mentioned um, that you enjoy prospecting, which probably led to uh, your your obsession with making that first touch point with the customer and making it impactful. So that's something that, um, as we go through, I really do want to sort of uh, dive into because I know a lot of people hate prospecting because it's just awkward and uncomfortable. And if the marketing isn't done right, um, then it can seem very forced. And, uh, and I think that the second thing you brought up is there's a war for attention, uh, for sure. It's uh, all this digital marketing. It's very hard to, you know, carve out your, your, your niche in, in the industry. But once you do, how do you make sure that you, if you've, you know, growth hacked or mastered the, the way to reach the masses consistently and repeatedly and scalably, how do you make sure that that messaging is, is good? Because if you do figure out how to reach out to people, um, the one thing you have to be careful with digital marketing if you don't have a great message, um, then it's just heard by a lot of people a lot quicker, right? So that's the that's the sort of the two the two uh, the, the two sides. Um, but let's okay. So let's talk. Let's start this off um, just because I want to speak about the book and the title of the book um, because the title of the book is obviously going to sort of lend cadence to uh, attention and marketing and and reaching out to people. So radical relevance. Uh, why why is this concept alone? Uh, in in the great, greater scheme of digital marketing, important enough to to write a book about? Well, it's because we live in 
radically relevant world. And let me, let me explain that. Um, I mean, between big data and, you know, uh, elections, the micro-targeting and, and all the ways to, to collect data on person, people. Uh, and even if you're not doing it digitally, even if you're doing it in more of a one-to-one, one-to-one analog kind of, kind of way, people expect us to know something about them before we reach out to them. They, they pretty much require it. Uh, and salespeople or marketers that are a little lazy and don't do their homework and try to reach out without really knowing the audience are, are going to be ignored. And just to give you a few examples, uh, I mean, it probably started this radical relevance. If you think about it, it started with Google and their, the, you know, their algorithms to make sure that the relevant information shows up on a search, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon, if you look for a book or any product, you know, people who bought this also bought this. That's all about relevance. Mm-hmm. Going in, into a grocery store uh, and, and looking for water. How many waters do they have these days, right? Sparkling water, still water, flavored, not flavored, smart, dumb water, whatever. And all of that's to be relevant to whoever, you know, their, their, their uh, prospect or customer might be. And the same thing with toothpaste. Now, here's an interesting one. Billboards. All right. So not all parts of the country in the world have billboards, but a lot do. Everybody knows what a billboard is. The electronic billboards that you see so much now. They're being fed and programmed by data coming from the driving apps like Waze and Google Maps. And so they will change their message based on the demographics of the people who are driving by at any particular time of day. That's radical relevance, but we can go even more radical than that. A lot of these billboards are equipped with pollen sensors. And so when the pollen count gets over a certain level, they automatically start showing allergy medicine uh, ads and local uh, pharmacy ads. So we live in a world that's like that. And everyone you know, listening to this podcast has been hit up multiple times a day by people who don't know anything about us, right? And we just, as soon as we can tell they don't know who we are, we just delete them. Because if someone shows a little uh, knowledge of who we are, then we might start to pay attention a little bit. In fact, I reward people who reach out to me and if they've read my blog or just you know, watch the video on my YouTube channel, or somehow had a sense of who I am and indicated that. I, I will pay attention. I will even schedule a phone call just to reward them for taking the time to do that. So that's a, that's a really good point. Um, that when you reach out to people, if you're not relevant, it's just like white noise because we get that all day, every day. Um, you know, you said you came from a, like a like a more traditional marketing era where you would get flyers and pamphlets and whatnot, but now you're well, well versed in digital marketing and we get, you know, it's like 10 X what we used to get because now it's so easy to reach out to people right at scale. And it's like, you know, in mails through LinkedIn or uh, emails, spam mails, whatever. Um, so obviously that's, it makes sense why being relevant is, is important. So, uh, sharpen, sharpen your marketing message. That's the subtitle of your book. Um, how, how do you actually do that? How do you sharpen your marketing message so that you are relevant while, while maintaining that scale? Because everybody knows like if you're, if you're, you're prospecting, go back, going back to prospecting, if you're prospecting a client, you can go do research on them. You can go reach out to them. And that's really what is a, it's a good idea to do that. But how would you do that at scale so that you can still, uh, you know, there's still a volume and velocity to, to your outreach? Sure. So the key is on narrowing your scope. It's not expanding, it's narrowing. 
and it's knowing your target and then taking that and maybe going a little deeper in that target and then a little deeper to the point where you get your bullseye, which in marketing they often call it the persona or the avatar, the ideal person, the demographics, the psychographics of those people. And the mistake I've seen a lot of marketers and salespeople make is when they're crafting their message, especially for folks that aren't as experienced, when they craft their message, they tend to expand a little bit. They go, well, we don't want to leave these people out or we want to leave these people out. And so they actually expand who they're trying to reach with their message. And all they do is water down the, val the effectiveness of the message and reach nobody. And so if you have different personas, if you have different ideal types of clients or customers, you got to make sure you deliver the right message to the right person at the right time in the right way. And if you don't do that, then you, you're, again, you're, you're white noise. And so mm -hmm. you can have more than one target market for sure. You can have more than one persona or ideal within that. I like to call it a right fit client or a right fit customer. Uh, but you better make sure that you're dividing your messaging up. Uh, so on your website, right? Uh, who are the people that visit your website? Make sure you, they can self-identify who they are and click the right button. And then they go into the stream of information that's totally perfect for them. And uh, it's, just, it's just about finding the bullseye and hitting the bullseye. So, okay, so one of, uh, one of the points that we discussed before this, um, you're telling a story of, of how your clients achieved 900% growth in seven years. So that's obviously incredible growth. Um, so first, first I wanna speak about, a, a, like sort of walk us through that case study, and then let's speak about, um, Let's speak about how that's repeatable for, for other people. So if, if they were trying to implement like a best idea or practice that they could take out of that case study, like what would that one idea or maybe multiple ideas be? Yeah, sure. So this is with McKay CEO Forms uh, out of Vancouver, Canada. And so when I met Nancy McKay, she had by herself had acquired 100 clients. These are CEOs of companies, mostly in the Vancouver area where they would get together in round table forums uh, and very impactful for these folks. But she's, she's got big dreams and big goals and she wanted to go further. So the first thing we worked on actually uh, was her referral process, how to scale her business by getting her clients, these CEOs to introduce her to more so she could create more, more groups. And we got nitty gritty on this. We, we recorded audios, we recorded all kinds of stuff to give her scripting of how to talk to her CEOs, to refer them, refer her, introduce her to others. But she also wanted to scale in another way. She wanted to bring on more chairs, more people to, to lead the groups. Mm -hmm. Lead so many groups, right? So her scale was uh, increasing the number of clients, but also increasing the number of people who could facilitate these groups. And so it was all about referrals and introductions for, uh, for a number of years. And that really brought a lot of people in then we started to help her refine the messaging uh, because she was finding that not always the right people were, were being referred or, or coming into the groups and didn't always work. So we had to get really, really clear on the right people. And she now can be on a phone call with someone and within about five to six minutes, the, the prospect and Nancy will know if it's a match. And, you know, just by a few questions she asks and just by a few things she talks about, and if they're not a match, she won't take them on. And that's important, that when we 
talk about our value, when we talk about the work we do, whatever the situation is, we've got to make sure we're attracting the right people and repelling the wrong people. And even if it's in a mass situation and it's all digital, right? We don't want to waste time, their time or our time, uh, bringing people through a funnel, through a campaign, eventually ending up in a phone call where it's not a good match. And so everything has to be very clear. This is who we work for. This is who we serve the best. And, and if you're not in that, we're not, not right for you. And so therefore, let's not waste our time together. <laughs> there's, no, that's, that's really good. There's so, many, um, there's so many things you can take out of that story because you spoke about uh, referral networks. So right off the bat, the, the strongest way to sell is a referral network for sure. Like word of mouth, that's, that's the way to do it. You spoke about uh, optimizing your message, your personas. And then you spoke about something that a lot of people have trouble with, which is qualifying out. So getting rid of those deals and just sort of freeing up, uh, freeing up your time. So those are all like, I don't, I don't know if you meant, to, I don't know if you meant to do that, but those, that's kind of like my list of things that you should take away from the story. That regardless of you know whatever business you're in, those are just best practices to 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 implement, right? Like I, that was that was really really good, and that's that. So that helped her achieve nine hundred percent growth. Yeah, and 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 the, let's talk about the qualifying out first. Yeah. And it depends on the business, obviously, that you have what that's going to look like. Uh, and sometimes they could get qualified out digitally, in which case you're not really wasting much time. And with that said, uh, with the referral process, a lot of businesses will take on clients that aren't necessarily right for them, mm -hmm. kind of out of respect, if you will, or deference. Yeah. But that's not always a good thing to do because here's, here's the guiding principle what's right for that prospect or client, right? And if they're not right for your business and you don't believe you can bring your full impact of value to them, then you're not right for them. And so what we don't want to do is create lose-lose situations, especially if there's a referral source involved where they might wonder why did they send someone to you because that person is not being served as well as they should be because you took them on in a way you shouldn't have. So all of, it, all of it has to be guided by that. What's, what's best for that person? Mm -hmm. Do you, no, I was going to ask, like, do you find it's, it's uh, or, or how would you suggest that somebody who is looking to build out a referral network, because it's a very strong way to sell, but then again, they may attract the wrong clientele. So how do you, it's almost like a, like a channel network without any sort of compensation. It's just like, it's built on, on trust and respect and, and just really uh, like a really good job. Well done. So how do you, how do you optimize a message so that the the person down the telephone line uh, or down the grapevine is getting the is getting the right message about who you are, you know, what you can do for your clients? So you don't have to have that awkward conversation, or maybe you do. I don't know. Well, sometimes it, it depends on the business and yeah, service business. It's it's more likely you may have that conversation. So there's a few elements here, and 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 before we get into that, I just want to make a point that. You know, we're talking a little bit about relevance. The fastest way to become relevant with someone who doesn't know you is an introduction from someone they do know, right? Mm -hmm. An introduction from someone they trust. So it, we, we operate from that borrowed trust. Uh, and, and the higher price your product or service is, the more likely, I don't care what you do digitally on the front end, eventually there's going to be a conversation. And uh, so we've got to make sure that that we meet people the way they want to meet us. A lot of people, a lot of businesses see referrals as kind of icing on the cake, but for a lot of businesses, it is the cake. It's how the prospect would prefer to meet that person. 
some people hide behind the digits. They hide behind the 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 uh, digital marketing and yeah like that. So with that said, um, the first line of defense really is to educate your clients or customers who you serve the best to make sure they get that message, to make sure they know that they are a right fit client or a right fit customer. This is the criteria. Uh, and so that they won't send people that don't fit your world. That's the first line of defense. The second line, of course, is qualifying. And there's different ways to qualify. But if someone calls you and says, hey, my friend George said, you know, I should talk to you, that, that you know, he's happy with the work you've done and I should work with you, your response, especially if you haven't talked to George about this person, is great, I appreciate that, you know. I know we're not right for everybody, let's chat a little bit, I'll tell you a little bit about what we do and learn a little bit about your situation and we'll see if it makes sense to continue the conversation. Yeah, so make no assumptions. Yeah, make no assumptions though. That's, that's really the, the takeaway. Yeah. And you know, prospects appreciate that because they, they may be braced for someone who's gonna to try to sell them. And here we are, we're almost taking ourselves out of the sales situation to a degree where we're just saying, let's just talk. Let's see if it makes, even makes sense to continue the conversation. Now, real quick, tactical thing. If you, if you realize, and, and usually they will qualify themselves out as you describe what you do and who you serve the best, uh, you want to get on, uh, hang up the phone and get on the phone with your referral source as quickly as possible and say, hey, I talked to your friend George, great guy, had a great conversation. We discovered the timing isn't right for us to be working together or you know, his business situation is a little different than who we're geared to serve. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you know, the trust and I appreciate you know, the next time. Uh, so we're not revealing any proprietary information. We learned about their friend that wouldn't be appropriate, but we're letting them know. Yeah. Keeping that referral source in the loop, which is very important. And, and so just, just to make sure you, you're not letting that slide um, because you do have to educate them. So the next one will be more suited or, or will be better off because I do think that it is a little bit of an awkward conversation if you continuously have to tell people like, listen, like this wasn't the right fit. That wasn't the right fit or turn. And you never want, I, you never want the person that was referred to you to be the one always telling the referral source, oh, I couldn't, you know, he didn't want to talk to me or he didn't want to do business or whatever. So there's always that, you know, that line of communication you want to keep open to. That's why you want to do it first. And, yeah. And, you know, in some businesses, you, you probably could explain to that referral source right on that phone call why it doesn't match. But I do, I do a lot of work with financial advisors and bankers and folks where that conversation could actually contain some proprietary information that the referral source shouldn't know. And so sometimes it's appropriate to just let them know what happened and then later, a separate conversation, educate them a little bit on who you serve the best so it isn't linked specifically to that person. That'll be a judgment call. You gotta be careful what you reveal. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's, let's go back to uh, the, the relevance piece because I know there's, there's rules of relevance that are scattered throughout the book. Um, so what what are the top because there's a few of them um what are the top rules of relevance uh for for people to take away marketers to take away that can they can action immediately in whatever organization doesn't really matter what they do obviously we're not talking about like a self-serve software product we're talking more of like a consultative cell but that kind of business um go through a couple of those yeah so a few things uh i already gave you number one which is the shortest route to relevance to uh introduction from a trusted source. Uh, the second one is, is a good one, which is 
give your clients a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Give your customers a seat at the table. What I mean by that is you never want to develop marketing campaigns, a copy for your website, LinkedIn profile, whatever we're talking about, without talking to some customers or clients. Uh, you know, a lot of the big boys know this. They have focus groups and things like that. But some of the small companies don't always take the time to do that. And most businesses have some very satisfied clients or customers that would be happy to have a conversation like that. They like being let in on what you're trying to accomplish. And, and especially if you have a client or customer that has a bit of a marketing mindset, it's great. So, you know, in, in my business, I see so many quote unquote experts, authors, speakers, consultants will talk to other, their peers. What do you think about this book cover? What do you think about this title? What do you think about this article? And, and, and I'll say, well, you know, here's my opinion, but I'm not your customer, right? Make sure you're talking to your customer about this because they're going to give you information and ideas that you just, you just wouldn't even think of. Uh, and they're going to give them to you in the right words and phrases and concepts yeah. already in their brain. Yeah. Make sure we tap into that. Uh, radical relevance rule number five is only differences that matter, matter. And what I mean by that, of course, is that you can talk about some things that make you different, but if you're not talking about it in a way that's very specific, benefit-oriented, that uh, someone's going to say, yeah, that matters to me, then it's irrelevant. And I'll give you an example. So I'm consulting with a bank uh, in New England. Uh, this bank happens to call just on commercial accounts. And so one of their, what they called unique selling propositions, was we've been established for 127 years and i i'm thinking and just like a lot of other people might be thinking so what you know (laughs) and if you don't define what that means then you're whoever the recipient of that message is will define it for you and if it's a younger person they may think well okay stodgy they don't have the latest apps and stuff yeah i don't want to work with them or an older person might think okay stable i get that i like that but we don't know and so we've got to translate that into the benefit. Uh, you know, a lot of businesses will come up with kind of cool things and color schemes. Their branding is unique. Their brand, their name is unique. All of that's kind of cool stuff. And, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it might get someone's attention. But if it doesn't matter to the prospect really, yeah. for the day, they don't see the benefit of that to them, then it's, it's window dressing. It's not really going to produce a result. I think um, I think you brought up a good point that you have to be very explicit about about how you build out your own brand because, like that that uh, hundred plus year old bank, um, they're putting out this verbiage into the world, and people will people will infer or assume their own ideas about what that means. So regardless, of, and even if they aren't putting that out, you know, I I always speak to brands that aren't putting stuff out on social media or even individuals that are trying to build a, their own uh, brand on social media. Um, or out into the world. And if you don't put out your own brand, your own content, you don't speak to who you are, people, you have a brand, but it's just going to be dictated by the people that are consuming you, right? Oh, well, I'll give you an example, just in my own business. Yeah. It was not a bad thing. It was, it's a good thing. But so I, my system, my referral system was called the Referral Advantage Program. And, and what I learned is my market, my clients, uh, prospects, everybody out in, in the niches, the targets that I go after, nobody knew what that was. They just call it the Kate system. You know, we're using Kate's. Yeah, yeah. 
And so finally, you know, my staff hammering me says, you got to put your name in the system because your, your clients have already named it. Yeah. So now we call it the Kate's Academy for uh, relationship marketing and, and, uh, and, and my name is and stuff. And I resisted that sort of thing for a long time. I didn't want it to be about my name. Yeah. But now we know with a lot of businesses, depending on the size, the, the personality, it can be the differentiator, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. People didn't want to do that. But uh, these days, because there's so much noise, sometimes we need to the, the personality to be that differentiator. Yeah. Can I give you one more uh, rule of radical relevance? Please. Yes. No, no, do it. Because these are like, these are very good. Uh, and like the ones that you mentioned, like, like, I love how these sort of, again, this is sort of blending into anybody in marketing, anything. There's so much carryover and so much crossover. So please, like, if you want to go through a couple more, I want the one, the one point I want to hit after this, I want to speak a little bit about um, uh, neuroscience of relevance. Cause I love like, uh, like I've read, um, uh, well, what's it called? The uh, Pitch Anything by Oren Claff, which is uh, just basically speaking about the psychology of selling. So I want to get your take on the psychology of being relevant in, in 2020, because um, that's super interesting to me. I love like understanding how we consume and whatnot, but go through a couple more rules. And then I want to I want to touch on that point, too. Yeah. So uh, rule number 13, uh, use more personal messaging. And so Essentially, what we want to do is rather than, you know, when people hit our website or anything that we're using to communicate, we want to initially resist using we, our, mine, I, to go to your, right? Yeah. Your, uh, and, 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 and here's where this comes from. This comes from the idea, the concept uh, that you, your company, your product, your service is not the hero of the story, right? Think of the old, the original Star Wars, the hero, yeah. Skywalker, right? And Yoda, Yoda the guide was. And the enemy was Darth Vader. And so many companies try to set themselves up as the hero. And they talk about the awards they've won. They talk about all the good work they do. And it doesn't mean you don't do that at some point. But to draw people into your world you have to create empathy, mm-hmm. their situation, a sense that you know them. They got to they got to read your copy and look at the website and however you're, you're getting in front of them and go, ah, this person gets me. This person knows a little bit about who I am. Then we start to create credibility for us as the guide. But first, we got to pull it, pull them in. And some some companies do a very good job. A lot of folks, especially the smaller companies, where maybe they, they're not really aware of this. Uh, don't do this. So, so we want to make sure that we're focusing on them first. Um, I'll, I'll give you one more. And, and gosh, this is the universal rule of marketing. So if someone is an experienced marketer, they'll roll their eyes at this one. But if you're not experienced, please take this to heart. And that is test, test, test. Yeah. I remember when I was, I, I joined the Direct Marketing Association so many years. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there, juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed 
changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much, Indeed, for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Years ago, I got this big manual about, you know, concepts of direct marketing. And they'll say, you know, sometimes a red headline will outpull a blue headline and, and you know, yeah. changing the color of the headline will change the response rate. And they ask the marketer, well, why will red outpull blue? And a good marketer will say, I don't know. It just tested that way, mm-hmm. right? We can take our best guess and make some good educated guesses, but ultimately you'll never know until you test it. So big yeah. testing and the whole science behind testing, very, very important. Uh, on a macro scale and a micro scale as well. No, that, those are all very good. Those are all very, very good. Yeah. Science, if you want. I want to. Um, I want to. I. I. Uh, I want to understand a little bit about how you use it to stay relevant. Um, how, like, what's the psychological driver? Because there's obviously tons, right? There's so many different psychological tricks and tactics that marketers use, sales reps use in the discussions, in the copy, in the branding. Everything is is all is all psychological. So what's the what is the neuroscience of relevance? Sure, I'll give you a few things. And there's a lot in the book, and I'll give you a couple. Uh, I, I am by no means a neuroscientist. I did have several neuroscientists review what I wrote to make sure I was... Oh, this is uh, peer-reviewed. Okay, this is good. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. No, I, have se- I had several, actually. Um, and so, a few things. First of all, one thing we know about the brain is that, um, and this is, this is below the psychology, this is the primitive basic stuff, uh, that six times a second, the brain is scanning. Now think about it, six times a second, that's fast. 
where am I, am I safe? Where am I, am I safe? Where am I, am I safe, right? And so preservation of the organism, that's the brain's first function. And three times a second, it's going, is there an opportunity? Is there an opportunity? The brain loves to act, loves to take action, loves to explore, you know, the, the old ADD squirrel. Yeah, yeah. Likes that, uh, but only when it feels safe. And so this is why, and any marketer kind of knows this intuitively if they don't know the brain science behind it, is that the brain will respond more quickly uh, in the, to, to negative messages in the sense of message, messages dealing with the problem, mm-hmm. challenge, uh, with the obstacles. And so in most cases in marketing, we want to lead with knowledge of their uh, obstacles, empathy for their obstacles and challenges before we present the opportunities. And now when we target a specific market, we can get very targeted with what their obstacles probably are and certainly what the, what the opportunities are after that. So that's all based on just how the primitive brain works. And so that's why we focus, that's why like, like a headline of the 10 mistakes that people make towards blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Out pull, you know, the best thing you should ever do to build your business, right? Opportunity versus not making mistakes. The brain immediately wants to make sure it's not making those mistakes. How do you make sure that, that it's not, um, like once you draw someone with that negative, because um, I, I, I also, I, like I, I, I obviously dabble in, in the marketing space, uh, but, and I knew that point, but I don't know how you can, uh, with 100%, uh, 100%, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, certainty, excuse me, that, that the, the messaging or the overall feeling or takeaway from that messaging isn't negative. So how would you pull someone in with, an, with that problem-solving uh, verbiage and copy and then make sure that the, the takeaway is a positive because that's the, the sort of the, the taste that's left in the mouth from the brand? So there's sort of different ways, and every business is a little different. Uh, what some people like to do is actually start with a little positive but get to the negative quickly, and it's more of a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Here's an opportunity, and you have these challenges, right? So there's a lot of you can you can accomplish this even though this challenges, right? Yeah, people will do that. They'll start with a positive something, and they'll get into the challenges that we know our prospects are thinking or feeling, right? They go, yeah, I want that, but I got these challenges, and so then you go into the challenges a little bit, and then you come back to the positive. So just like a a, a sitcom. Yeah, have a, se- a laugh every seven seconds, uh, even in the middle of very poignant moments. It's the same thing. We, we, we can talk about the negative. We can talk about the challenges, but we got to shift to the positive fairly quick- quickly within that conversation. It doesn't have to be this way. There is a way out. One study I saw showed that if you just talk about the problems, but you don't quickly represent it in a way that you are a solution to those problems, Mm-hmm. Who actually will drive people away, right? If you yes, yeah. Problem without presenting yourself as that possibility for the solution, they they will go away. It will be too negative. They just they don't see you as the answer. Uh, so so that's that's that. Another uh, thing that I learned, and this is in in the realm of brain science, and it's actually called cognitive uh, neuroscience. And so there's this concept called cognitive fluency. I have to keep reminding myself, cognitive fluency. And here's what this this is. If, if the copy that you use to describe your product service, whatever the offer is, is a little confusing, 
or if navigating your website is a little confusing, or anything, any aspect of how you present yourself is a little confusing, the brain automatically makes the assumption that working with you is going to be complicated. And so we've got to be very careful uh, on how creative we are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great to be creative in marketing, but if we're, if we're creative to the point where people don't quite get it, if they have to think too hard, then we're going to lose them. See, the brain wants to keep the body alive. The brain wants to expend less energy, not more. So a, a slightly confusing or complicated message or process, the brain doesn't like that. Now, mm-hmm. somebody really wants your, your product, they'll hunt, they'll figure it out, they'll, they'll write you an email, say, hey, I really want to buy this, but I can't figure out your website. But how many people have you lost that aren't going to go through that? Yeah. Cognitive fluency, it's a, it's a critical element. Uh, I'm always looking to see, is this as smooth uh, and easy as possible and clear as possible? And that's where giving your customers and prospects a seat at the table comes in, right? Because you have context in how you write your things and design your things that they will never, that they'll, your prospects will never have. Yeah. So yeah. That, your, your brain fills in the gaps in areas that could be confusing to someone visiting you for the first time. I think that's really that's really smart. Um, and I've seen it in action when I've used uh, uh, post sales surveys. So after customer purchases, we do like a we do a a, well, a customer success a representative will go out, speak to the customer, ask them why they bought, and then they'll use that verbiage in the pitch or the marketing material. Like literally the the keywords that the customer is using to say why they bought that may be nowhere on the website. The features that the customer purchased the product for maybe may not even be discussed and maybe they discovered those just through you know their their own uh, their own discovery of the product and those are things that aren't highlighted so yes the getting that customer voice and incorporating it into part of your messaging is is incredibly important um what i wanted to uh, another topic that you brought up in the book is uh, strategic relevance uh versus tactical relevance um can you speak a little bit about what that means yeah sure so strategic relevance, all right, so the, first of all, the 17 principles, uh, I start with that because principles are higher than strategies and strategy, strategies are higher than tactics in that mm-hmm. they should flow downward, right? The, the biggest mistake I've seen the businesses make is when something isn't working, they immediately go to tactics, uh, right? And, and they don't even consider whether they're operating under the wrong strategy or a flawed principle, flawed thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So, I start with the principles, then we go to strategy. Now, the three main strategies I cover in the book are the target market, making sure you're clear on what that is, Uh, the bullseye, making sure you're crystal clear on the one or more bullseyes, personas, right fit clients, I call it in the book, and then your differentiation. What are the different points of differentiation that you might want to use in a tactical way? So we've got to make sure we identify those things. Now, one of the things I, I do with a lot of my clients, especially the larger clients, is we will uh, sit with a team make, making sure that every division of a company is represented, the smaller company, then everybody's there. But what we're doing, we're going to go from the minute someone interacts with us, be it on a website, uh, a lead magnet, uh, walking into a store, whatever the business is, and all the whole process of the client or customer journey, we will delineate all that and see all the different points of value, the questions we ask, the things we teach, the responsive service, all the points of value. 
And what that does, first of all, it gets everybody excited about the value because everybody starts to realize how much value you bring to prospects and clients or customers. And then that becomes the body of knowledge that we then start to pull from for some of the tactical things, some of the things of how we're going to describe what we do and who we do it for and what makes us a little bit different. So the tactical is that. The tactical is, it's marketing and it could be sales. It depends on whose hands it's in. Yeah. For instance, what, answering the question, what do you do? What do, we mm-hmm. do? What do we do? Uh, some people call it the elevator pitch. The only reason I don't use that term is because the way a lot of people have taught that over the years, it's a little too contrived, a little too confusing, a little too cute. I, had a, I was watching a class once observing with somebody teaching this. And so this, this financial advisor decided he was going to say, you know, my elevator pitch is, I'm, I'm like a financial nutritionist. And it's like, okay. okay. <laughs> kind of maybe kind of get it, but I don't really know. Now, one could say, well, maybe that's going to pull them. All right, tell me, what do, you, what do you mean by that? It might pull someone into that conversation. But for a financial advisor to say that, I'm going to go, okay, that's cool. You know, next. Yeah. I, I think that's how it starts to show up in a tactical way. Yeah. I, was, I wanted to mention something before you, before you move off elevator pitch. No, no, sorry. I, I'll, I'll let you keep going. But I, I, I also, I think that uh, where you're going to go with this, um, I, I definitely agree. Uh, the issue with the concept of an elevator pitch is that it's you're in this elevator with an executive and you have so many floors before uh, you know they step off and you have maybe 30 seconds to speak about your whole business. I think that's a if if somebody as a sales rep is taught that that's how they should pitch to their client, their client like you mentioned, a financial nutritionist, you have no idea what value they bring and you have no idea what they do and there's so many things that are missed in that that in a real life scenario you obviously should be practicing how to communicate those things effectively. So to assume that you have 30 seconds to, to say what you do and that's it is a fallacy. To say you should be succinct in your messaging and understand what you're going to say and sort of practice and iterate ahead of time is not silly, but it shouldn't be just under the assumption that you have 30 seconds in an elevator. That's, so that's my issue with elevator pitches. Yeah, and I think the elevator pitch was originated from, at least a lot of people think, a long, long time ago in, in Hollywood in the movie industry where you know, you're, you're riding up on the elevator with a producer and you have 30 seconds to pitch the concept of your Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we need actually what we really need. Every business and every salesperson needs uh, ways to talk about what we do in varying lengths. Mm-hmm. It's gonna depend. It's gonna depend on the context. It's gonna depend on the context of how we're interacting. It's gonna depend on the context of who, who this person is and what we know about them. Relevance is all about context, right? And that's why it's important we do our research before we even try to deliver a message to someone. So the message we deliver is based on context and not just, uh, you know, throwing it out there and hoping something's going to stick. So in the book, I give a little formula. I call it the miracle formula. And the reason I call it that, because it's just a formula to talk about what you do very succinctly, covers a lot of bases very quickly with very few words. Uh, so I'll just give you the template real quick. Uh, yeah, please. And it's essentially, uh, I work with who want to, or we work with who want to, for example. And so we work with, we deliver our value to whatever, you know, you massage the words. Um, and that's your target market. We work with 
entrepreneurs. We work with small business owners. We work with housewives. I mean, that's a term people use anymore. <laughs> I mean, if I was being, you know, chauvinistic, right? I'm just going fast. So <laughs> house, house husbands, house husbands or housewives. <laughs> Stay at home, you know. Yeah. And then who want to? So whatever they want, that's the benefit. That's how you get to copy that's very benefit-oriented very quickly. Because whatever your prospects want, that's the benefit. And then the four example is very important because that brings a little bit to life. That, the, those short little statements are nice and it's good entree, but then you want to give a four example. So, and hopefully an example that's relevant to them. Mm -hmm. Let me give you one pet peeve around this. I, and we've all experienced this. So I can't tell you how many people come to me with products and services and they name drop and they say, we've worked with IBM, we've worked with Canon, we've worked with, you know, uh, Microsoft, whatever, all these big, large companies. Now I serve large companies. I work for large companies, but I'm not one. And so when someone starts to name drop names that are not relevant to me, that it's like in a different stratosphere, or even a different industry, it, it not only is it not relevant to me, but it's a, it's a, it's a turnoff. And so we got to be careful how we give examples and testimonials and name drop that we make it relevant to our audience. And if you're sending out that generic message to lots of different audiences, then you're, you're not hitting any of them. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that a lot of people just, uh, they, they defer back to their largest logos, like you said. And then it doesn't mean anything to, yeah. And, and, and look, you, you can use it and say, you know, we work with Microsoft, so we know what the big boys are doing. Yeah. Take that and we can apply it to a small business like yours. Oh, okay. Now I'm, I'm getting it. But most people don't do that. No, a, a lot of people don't. Hero, when they should be the guide. Um, okay, so we've, we've gone really deep into the book. Um, I want to bring it back to you, uh, but is there any other major points that you brought up in the book that, uh, that we should uh, highlight here before I go back? Oh, gosh. We did, we did cover, actually, some pretty good stuff there. Yeah. Um, no, nothing I'm thinking about at the moment. If it comes up, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, that's fine. Um, what I wanted, to, I wanted to sort of clearly define for people that are listening, um, what, as, as a consultant, as, uh, as an entrepreneur yourself, what is your niche when you're working with people? What, what is your target client? What is your, you know, out of, out of everything, who do you try and position yourself as a relevant uh, service provider to? Um, and that's just for people who are listening who would like to get in touch with you. Yeah, thank you. So I have um, kind of an overarching target, but three targets within that. So my overarching is professional services. So I work with companies, individuals, you name it, that are talk in terms of clients versus customers. Uh, they usually consultative sales process involved. Uh, they usually have longer term relationships. There's a, a relationship that gets built. It's not transactional. I've done work in that space, but mostly it's with for the professional services. And so my three target markets within that are financial services, so financial advisors and insurance, banking, which mm -hmm. is kind of financial, but it really is different and unique to its own, and then accounting. And so I work, you know, those are all kind of financial oriented, but they're different enough that I need to bring different messages to those people. I can't use the same message. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the, the essence of, uh, of who we serve. And, and have you been, um, I, I probably should have covered this at the beginning, but have you been an entrepreneur for the majority of your, your life? 
So is that like, how did you end up, how did you end up here? <laughs> that, that's a good question. I'll, I'll give you the really shortest possible version. I can. <laughs> it's always a loaded question. <laughs> I, 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 all right, I was on an airplane and I, I worked for an airline, actually. I worked for American Airlines and I was bored and I was, I, I was reading uh, uh, one of those advertorials. It's, it's, a, it's an ad that looks like an article, right? And the, the title of it was Dollars in Your Mailbox. And I go, hmm, who wouldn't want dollars in their mailbox, right? So I read this thing and it was about how to sell information through the mail. And so I actually bought a book about how to sell information through the mail. And then I thought, well, what do I know about it, about that? Well, I know about airline careers. Mm -hmm. so I, wrote, I wrote an airline career guidebook and I used to sell that. And that was the, you know, I did that while I was working. I eventually quit that job so I could devote full time to that airline career guidebook. And, and that's how I started the, the publishing business. And it was all about, you know, selling information that time through the mail. And now, of course, it's the same principles as we've already discussed uh, using mm -hmm. the Internet. I think I, in my entrepreneurial journey, you're just like you're you're the topics that you touch on are very relevant to anybody in sales and marketing. Obviously, that's not hard to find. But normally the type of person that goes into a sales or marketing consulting role is like CXO from large company, eventually retired wanted to do so you just went right into it no well i i well, like I, I went into the the the, uh, the book publishing yeah yeah what happened is it, it morphed into cookbooks uh I, i'm not a cook it was a business decision yeah how people would read books and get vicarious pleasure from the recipes and so i launched a whole line of cookbooks we used to sell them in in grocery stores and gourmet shops and uh i i had a my biggest sale which i talk about in a book was four hundred thousand books one client, Bumblebee Tuna, I, I sold them a seafood cook. Hmm. You know, that changed my life because I was a sales rep. I got a commission. I was a company owner. I got all the rest. And so, and I had another book uh, publishing company that sprang out of the first one. So I really was building a business. I was an entrepreneur. Um, and I sold both of those businesses, one for a lot of money, one for just to get out of the debt with my partner, uh, which a lot of entrepreneurs can appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Then a friend of mine said, Bill, you know so much about building a business and you, you should become a consultant, speaker, author. I never really thought about that. And so 25 years ago, after I sold my last business, that's what I got into this world of help, helping other entrepreneurs, marketing, marketers, salespeople with their, with their journey. Amazing. It's a, it's, I always find everybody's um, own origin story about how they got to where they are today very interesting because it's always... There's never, it's never linear. It's always all over the map. And then you find yourself and you look up and you're like, how the hell did I get here? But it's, uh, it's good. You like everything, you know, a whole bunch of books, uh, like to be a professional musician. And so <laughs> yeah, you call me an entertainer, right? Well, yeah, that now feeds me going on stage and giving speeches, right? Yeah. It's all, it, one has led and fed to the other. And, you know, it, if you keep learning from what you've done before, mm-hmm you know, bring that becomes part of who you are. Yes. Bring it to the next step and the next step, uh, then you really can bring a lot to the table. And so all that diverse experience, I think is really, you know, it's, it's helped me. It's made me. Yeah. Well, you, you, you've proven it out. You've proven that, uh, like you're, you're, you're living it now. So that's, uh, that's very impressive. Um, <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so I like to ask this question just because it gives some context for people that are earlier on in their career. Um, what would be the one lesson that you've learned over your career? Try and, try and keep it at one that you would tell your 20-year-old self. 
Yeah, I, I'd say if you have a sense of something you really want to do, and I'll give you an example in my own world, uh, then, then listen to that and, and take the risk and try it. And here, here's what it was in my world. So I, my graduate uh, school was in, in uh, film and television. And I could have gone into that. I was thinking about being a sportscaster. I was thinking about, you know, the on-camera role in that. And I don't know, somehow I, I talked myself out of that. Um, I think I could have been good at it. I think I would have loved the hell out of it because I love sports and being around that. Uh, I now have a couple of friends who are sportscasters. Uh, and so I get to tag along a little bit. But I just, I didn't trust myself and I didn't, I, I didn't take that risk. Uh, look, I love what I do now. I, I, there's no regrets here. Uh, and there is that situation that I could have taken another path that I probably would have also enjoyed. I probably maybe wouldn't have had to travel as much as I travel now, given what I do. Uh, but just, you know, trust that instinct, there's that, that calling. And, you know, it may work out, it may not, but take the risk. Take the risk. That's good advice. That's very, very good advice. Um, another, okay, so uh, the last point that I wanted to bring up, just so we have it on record, so everybody's listening who doesn't see um, the text associated with when I post this, uh, you have a guide that's linked to the book. Um, can, you, can you just give us uh, a little bit of a, a heads up on how to find that guide if they want to? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you two things, actually. One, one, okay. Um, this, this first guide actually links all the referral, introduction, word of mouth stuff I've been doing for so long and the new content through messaging uh, kind of together. And it's called exponentialgrowthguide.com, exponentialgrowthguide.com. Uh, it's free. Go get it. I think you'll find it helpful. Um, and then uh, if you want to learn more about the book, I mean, you can go to Amazon, just look up Radical Relevance or Bill Cates. But we do have a website for the book, which is RadicalRelevanceBook.com. And so you can learn a little more about it, see if it's right for you, see if it's relevant for you. Yeah. And then and get it. And if you do, by the way, if you get the book, you, you then tap into something we call the Radical Relevance Toolkit. And you'll see inside the book, there's a way to register the book and get the toolkit. And it's a ton of stuff that I didn't put in the book because I didn't want the book to be too large. Mm -hmm. Just so much I wanted to give. And so lots of reports and guides and checklists free. If you get the book, you get access to the toolkit as well. That's a lot of value. Um, just going over what, you know, what I've learned about the book and, and what I've read and the stuff we discussed today. So like if, if that book comes with ancillary stuff, I want to I want to check it out. Um, to be quite honest, but I think that like listen, like uh, sales, marketing, uh, individual contributors, uh, leaders looking to either grow their own organization, uh, people looking to sort of you know move to the next step in their career, and they want a good resource to learn from. Uh, entrepreneurs or people that are looking to become entrepreneurs, maybe start their own side thing. Uh, anybody who really needs a little bit of insight as to how to tap into their customers. Listen, the more help they can get with that up front, the less money, time, resources, they're going to waste uh, figuring it out on their own. So I think they should definitely check out the book. Um, I have no idea what it costs, but it's a, it can't be that much. It's a, it's a book and it comes with a whole bunch of guides. So it, I think it would be worth it. Um, 95 on Amazon and you can get the audio book or you can get the Kindle. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of like uh, like podcasts, uh, audibles right now. It just uh, it's it's much easier. Actually, that's another thing I like to ask. Um, where do you go to learn? 
So where, where are your resources uh, outside of what, uh, what you produce? Yeah. I mean, I read a lot. Uh, I read a lot on airplanes. Um, and I read, a do you have any titles? What's that? Do you have any titles like, uh, that, uh, you're a fan of now? Yeah. I I'll tell you one that I'm, uh, I'm very much a fan of, and, uh, I actually have a chapter in the book kind of devoted to some. Okay. And it's a book by Donald Miller called Building Your Story Brand. Uh, Donald Miller, Building Your Story Brand. So he goes into some things around the clarity of the message, and he talks about the being the hero and the villain and all that sort of stuff. So mine goes a little wider in some of the breadth, but it, it's a great book. And yeah. we used it in our own company, and then I quote him and some other folks in the book. So that, that's, that's a good one. Where do I go? I read a lot, and I, and I'm I'm getting into podcasts a lot more. I'm not only being interviewed by them, but I'm yeah. Uh, actually, I found that it allows me to work out longer in the gym. If I'm looking listen to a good podcast, I'll stay on the treadmill. I'll stay on the elliptical. I'll stay on the rower. You know, if I'm yeah to a good one. So yeah, I have to stop and take some notes and then get going again. That's my biggest issue when uh, when I'm listening to a podcast that I'm really enjoying, and I'm like, oh wow, I need to <laughs> I need to start typing some of this stuff down. But then maybe I'll go back later. To be quite honest, I love listening to podcasts, but at the same time, um, I appreciate like you know tapping into all the people that I get to speak with. Because if you don't think I'm learning something right now, you're kidding yourself. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's a great opportunity. Read and writing my book. You know how much? Yeah. Writing the book. A hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. If uh, if people want to actually reach out to you, uh, what's the best way? LinkedIn, email. How would they? How would they get in touch? Definitely look me up on LinkedIn, Bill Cates, C A T E S. Uh, okay. Regular website is referralcoach.com, and I'll give you my email address. Go straight to me, Bill. Yeah, sure. Referralcoach.com. Bill at referralcoach.com. Okay, cool. Um, that's all I got. Is there anything else uh, that you wanted to uh, to touch on? Yeah. No, I just I'll leave you with a thought. Right. All right. If if you're not relevant, you're going to be ignored. And, and if you're not compelling, once you have their interest, you'll be forgotten. So we have to continually be relevant and compelling, relevant, compelling. It's almost like a motor that's just turning and turning and turning. And we've got to think about how we're going to attract the right people and how we're going to move them to take action. That's the purpose of our messaging. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you. Um, thank you for doing the, uh, the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. So this has been another episode of the Sales versus Marketing podcast featuring Bill Cates and Radical Relevance. So if you haven't, um, if you haven't read the book yet, go check it out. Uh, you can download this podcast wherever you can download podcasts. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, and if you haven't already, please uh, like, subscribe, and share with your friends, family, peers, uh, whoever you think can benefit from sales, marketing, uh, or business knowledge in general. So that's uh, that's all I got. Have a great uh, have a great day. Have a great week and we'll speak again soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Sales versus Marketing podcast, brought to you by ROI Overload. Delivering strategy, technology and insights to both sales and marketing leaders and teams globally. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. 
business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink 
what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 